Welcome to the Walk in Truth Christian Fellowship Church broadcast on the WITRN Network. Come join us as we study the Word of God together. Go get your Bible and let's see what the Holy Spirit is saying to us today. Welcome to Walking Through Christian Fellowship Church Midday Bible Study. We pray that you will hear something and learn something today. We want you to be encouraged, blessed, and always at peace. Uh, we're in the book of Luke. Uh, we're still in chapter 3. And we're going to talk about some things. Again, we always slow down. And we're going to just review some things and, and learn some new things today uh, before we get into Jesus' ministry. Luke concentrates on Jesus' Galilean ministry while he was in Galilee. Okay. So, and then we're going to hear about the uh, uh, genealogy of, of Jesus, and it's going to be interesting to see if you guys can catch uh, the difference between what's in Matthew and, and what's in Luke as far as the genealogy. I'm not telling you to go read it right now, but I, I, I'm going to see if you can catch it in the names as we go down the list. So hopefully we will get through chapter 3 today, but we're going to back up for a minute and just uh, read verse 1 to chapter 3. And, and Jackie, get uh, Isaiah 40, uh, verses 3 and 4, okay? <clears throat> Isaiah 40, verses 3 and 4. All right, go ahead and read, Frida. Now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip was tetrarch of the region of Ituria, and Trachonitis mm -hmm. and Lysanias was tetrarch of Alba of Abilene mm -hmm. in the high oh that's verse one keep going in the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas the word of God came to John the son of Zacharias in the wilderness okay now let's just stop right there for a second do you see something interesting about those people in what we just stated is there something wrong is there something that you that sticks out to you that's odd in the statement of those seven people is there something odd in that is there something odd do you see that you probably don't how many high priests were there how, yeah it's in the passage no who's who's the high priest oh Harry. nope Oh, it's two high priests, Annas and, Ca and Caiaphas. Caiaphas, Annas and Caiaphas. How many high priests are there supposed to be? One. Just one. So the question is what happened, right? Oh. Why are there two high priests? Well, I'm going to tell you. I'm glad you asked. Okay. Well, the reason why there's two high priests because Annas was actually the high priest that was accepted by the Jews, by Israel. Caiaphas was accepted by Rome. So Annas tried to leave and appoint other people and through and, and, and it went through a period whereas they always had two high priests. But the second high priest was actually a Roman sympathizer. So Rome had its claws through Herod inside the nation of Israel. Okay? So uh, Caiaphas was his son-in-law. So he was married into this versus actually probably being a, a, a Levite. Okay? So you had Annas and you had Caiaphas. Now, if you think about it, when when and we're gonna get to it, who do you think the Jews took Jesus to to kill him? Annas or Caiaphas? Caiaphas. We'll see. All right. All right, go ahead. Huh? All right, good. All right, well, go ahead. 
And he came into all the district around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. Okay, so now we have John's ministry. He preached the baptism, uh, the repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now, the Jordan, geographical lesson, he is actually the same place that where Joshua crossed over the Jordan in Beersheba, okay? So with that, how many miles, and I know you don't know this, but how many miles do you think it is from Jerusalem to where Joshua crossed over? And that's close to Jericho. How many miles do you think it is? Just off the top of your head. Don't, don't, you just give me a number. 25. 25, okay. Anything else? Jackie? I'm just going to go out on a limb and say over 100. Nope. You know what? Actually, Frida's close. Frida's the closest. It's actually like between, depends on when you Google it, it say by car is 27. By foot, it's 20, 22 to 25. And you figure if you walk three miles an hour, okay, and let's just give it a round number so we can divide it, it's 24 miles. It'll take you eight hours to get there by foot. So really, nobody really walks eight hours. So it probably took them two days. They probably walked four hours, rested, camped, got back up, and walked. That's a long way to get baptized. You know, it's not like hopping in your car and driving somewhere. They, whatever they heard back in Jerusalem made a, a lot of people come out to the wilderness to where Joshua brought them over the same Jordan at that point, delivered them, and he was baptized and preaching the good news of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Okay? That's John the Baptist's ministry. You know, he was preaching that that there was that you needed to repent for your forgiveness of sins. And then he also, you're going to find out that he preached, not only did you need to repent, but there also had to be a work of what we what he would call the fruit of repentance. So you just couldn't say, I'm sorry, and continue to do what you was doing. You had to say, I'm sorry, then then it was like a proof thing to see what did you do behind you repenting and saying, I'm sorry. Did, is your mind changed about everything that you were doing and now you're going to follow God. It's the same kind of repentance for us. Repentance is the biggest part of repentance is the changing of one's mind and going in the opposite direction. So his his he came out with that. It was a works-based thing, okay? And he said, look, you need to repent to get your forgiveness of sins. Jesus is not on the scene at this time, okay? This is his ministry. And we know that he was a forerunner for Jesus. We studied it last week. He was a forerunner for Jesus. He came in the spirit of what? Elijah, right? Or who did he come in the spirit of? Was it Isaiah or Elijah? Elijah. Okay, we're going to see. All right, so in that, we know he was a forerunner, okay? The key, the, the most important part is you know that he was prophesied about that he would come before Jesus, all right? And that he would be the one who would open the door for Jesus, What's one of the most famous statements that John the Baptist said about his mission, about him and his mission for the coming of the Lord? What did he say? What sentence? It's like everybody says it. Make ye what? The way straight, right? Yeah, make the path straight for the Lord. For the Lord, okay? So go ahead, read. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, the prophet, mm -hmm. the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every ravine will be filled 
and every mountain and hill will be brought low. The crooked will come will become straight, and the rough roads smooth, and all flesh will see the salvation of God. Okay, so where did that passage come from, Jackie? You got it. This is a passage that's come from Isaiah 43 and 4. Read that. Let's see. Let's listen to the difference. Go ahead. Isaiah 3 and 4. Isaiah 40. 40. 3 and 4. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Mm -hmm. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill shall be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. Okay, keep reading. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So we see that the same passage of scripture, just were a little bit different, but that's where that scripture comes from. Now we have this situation. What do y'all think that means? The, the mountains be laid low, the paths made straight, that's crooked, uh, that which is low need to be brought up. What do you think that is? Well, let me give, give you a little background. In Isaiah's time, he was prophesying about the Israelites coming back from the Babylonian captivity, how the Lord would deliver them, okay? Now we have John the Baptist thousands of years later talking about how uh, there's going to be a Messiah that's going to deliver them. But it's the way of the Lord that has to be made straight. So what do you think that actually means? And it's really not a spirit. It's, it's, it has spiritual connotation, spiritual impact, but it's really a physical thing. It, it is what it says. What does it he say? Gonna shake stuff up. You gonna do what? Shake it up. Everything gonna switch. No, no. It's, no. it's a physical thing. I mean, you close, but I thought you that you was on it. It's it, okay. Think about this: when the president of the United States goes to another country, what do they do to prepare for him? Other than security. Yeah. What do they do? Do they leave potholes in the road? Uh -huh. Huh? They try to clean up. The, they try to clean up. They, they try to straighten it out. And anything that, that could hinder the president from movement, they take care of it. Okay? So anything that could hinder the president from moving, they will take care of it. Yeah. All right? Yeah. So with that, with that next time, just sit. Go for it. Yeah, you don't, yeah, don't never cross in front of the camera. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we have the president of the United States. They get roads ready. They get everything ready. Okay. They make everything. They put they put the cones out. They had the security out. Whatever way he's going to travel is going to be clear. Even when you come, have you ever when the president used to come to St. Louis, they shut seventy down. Any highway, and believe me. Before he comes, them crews out there keep filling every pothole. Okay? Same thing with them. Make way straight to the Lord. Whatever needs to be done to make the pathway for the Lord straight, physically, do it. Now, spiritually, same thing with us. Anything that needs to be done to make our relationship with God straight, do it. Whatever needs to be filled, fill it. Whatever needs to be discarded, discard it. But you got to clear the path. Now, the key is, you have to remember to my Israel, Israel was a works-based relationship. We don't clear no path because we can't. Because if we could, we would have. That's why we need a Savior. Jesus 
cleared our path because he took on him the sin that had to be paid for. The path was in unattainable without Jesus. Amen. Mm -hmm. you, could, you couldn't come to God like you are. Right. You had to have that sin debt paid for. So the way we make our path straight is believing in the Lord Jesus and what he done on the cross. Because the Bible clearly tells us that the way to salvation is a narrow road. And there's not many that's going to find it, but the way to hell is broad. Okay? And a lot of times, we, we don't want to find the narrow road because in that passage, it talks about it's a hard road to find and it's a hard road to hold. It's not easy. His burden is light, but the walk through this earth sometimes has some difficulties. There's some detours, has some ups and downs. Where we see in the New Testament, in Paul's epistles, we see the word endurance more than deliverance. You have to endure this thing to go through this thing. And those who endure are the children of God. If you give up, and Jesus kind of alluded to that when he's talking about the different kind of soils, the seed of the word of God was planted in. How there was one that was rocky, one that, that would hear the word for a minute and be happy about it. But then when the troubles of life hit it, they'll, it'll just take away. Then the ones that the devil will come take. And then there's that good ground that is sown in that nobody can shake you. Then he says it's like building a house on sand or solid ground. The waves, the, the wind, everything of life will come by and shake it. But if it's on solid ground, it can withstand, it can endure. So that's what we pray for people. We want people to be delivered from stuff, and I, and I get that, especially things that are hurting them. But a lot of times, we have to understand, we want them delivered into salvation, but they still got to endure the decisions they make. We pray that once they come to Christ, they'll make better decisions so they won't have to uh, 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 deal with the natural consequences of always making decisions that come after their flesh. But I find people want to be delivered from their circumstance and not get saved. And it's our job to, to slow them down and tell them just most likely in our own way, maybe what you're going through is because you that you continue to sin. And that, that result of that sin is these adverse things that happen to you. And because these things happen to you, you want immediate relief from the pain of your own decisions, which Jesus can do. But you still may have to deal, uh, deal with the natural consequences of your decisions, such as jail, separation from family, all of that. But God, when he doesn't take the, the, the consequence away, he's there with you to help you endure it. I'm a witness to that. God helped me endure the consequences of my own decisions. He was with me. You know, one day I knew an out date, but the end date was more important than the out date. And the journey that I took before I got out is more important than me getting out. Because once I, I, I look back and I say, this is where he trained me. This is where he honed me. This is where he, where, he, where he met me. You know, and that's what we need to talk about with people who aren't hurting. We need to tell them about the Jesus that's going to make the path straight for them. That has made a path straight for them. But they have to believe. Okay? They have to believe, Sister Eartha. They can't. You can't go on. They have to believe. We have to paint the picture so they can believe. We have to give them the gospel so they can believe. We can say to them wholeheartedly, whether you're path, like, like he said, don't title necessary. I love that sermon he did. No title necessary, but he said, you don't need a title to get a gospel. Okay? Because the gospel is supposed to be what happened to you. So just give it out. All right, go ahead. So he began saying to the crowds who were going out to be baptized by him, 
You brood of vipers. Uh -huh. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? So we now think about this. They were hearing about John the Baptist. <coughs> Excuse me. They were hearing about John the Baptist in Jerusalem, 20, 20 some miles away. You know, all getting word back. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Herodians sent somebody, sent their, their little underlings out to see what's going on with John the Baptist. Why are people leaving their homes and heading out to John the Baptist? What well, was prophesied in chapter 1 and chapter 2? Why? Because this was the man of God. Now, it's interesting the fact that John the Baptist, being a prophet, he didn't do any miracles. But his, his worth was in his word and the assignment that he was given. And just like you, don't worry about miracles. Don't even worry about that. If one comes, hallelujah. But there's something more powerful than a miracle. It's the word of God that you can give them. Okay? All right? So so we know that the ones that he's talking about, we read last week, that who were they that were sent out? I already said it, the Pharisees, Sadducees, Herodias. So he, in Luke just gave them the Jews. But it was really the leadership that want to know what's going on. Because you know what their problem was? They were always scared that they were going to lose control. Something, you got that in some of our churches today. Pastors are scared for you to go visit somebody. Have you ever been in a church where they tell you you don't need to visit no other church? You need to go no other Bible study. You need to be right here. And I, and I am responsible for you. And it's just that devilish twist. It's a little bit right and a little bit wrong, and it makes it a lot of wrong. Because the Bible says you are free. And who has Christ is set free is free indeed, but also you free indeed from sin, and you free indeed to have a free will to go where you want to go and see what you want to see. Sometimes I tell pastors this, let them go so they can see how good what you're doing. But you know, that's the ones that don't really trust in what they're doing. They don't want you to go. Or they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. What they, doing. they know what they're doing. And they don't want you to experience the truth. What I tell y'all, you know, thank God grace is with us and we love each other. Man, go visit your family. Go visit other churches. I, all I know is I'm doing what God called me to do. And you're here by because you want to be, not because you have to be. Okay. Go ahead, free to pick up. Therefore, bear fruits in keeping with repentance. Mm -hmm. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that from these stones, God is able to raise children up for Ab to Abraham. So we have the situation where it's they coming out and the first thing they're going to do is put, try to pull rank in saying, well, we children of Abraham. And the Holy Spirit let, 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 let John the Baptist know, okay, here they come, church folk, and we belong to so-and-so and so. We the, we the children of so-and-so and so. We, this is our lineage. And John the Baptist said, hold on, hold on, hold on. God can raise up children from these stones if he wants to. So just because you were Jew, and remember Paul even said it, all Jews, all of Israel is not Israel. Because there's the physical Israel and then there's a spiritual Israel, and there's a nation of Israel, which is the physical Israel, of bodies. But we know that the true children of Israel are not just bodies, but they're children of Abraham through the faith line, and not necessarily all through the lineage, the bloodline. Okay? Let's go ahead. Indeed, the axe is already laid at the root of the trees. 
So every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Mm -hmm. And the crowds were questioning him, saying, then what shall we do? Now, the crowd, not the not the not the leadership was questioning. They listened hard message. Just a hard message. Repent. You don't repent. You're going to be you're going to be thrown in the fire. OK. And the question is, and that's what we want to get. What must I do to be saved? And that's their, that's their question. What can we do? What can I do to be saved? He said, repent. But what does that look like? See, we can say repent. But what does that look like? You know, some people think uh, there's a dear sister at our old church. She said, well, God knows everything. Why do I need to repent? I said, that's why you need to repent because he do everything. That's why you need to continue to repent because he do know everything. The fact that you asked that question, let me know that you know that you need to repent. You know, you're not ref you asking me to, to side with you and say, no, you don't need to repent no more. You know, but you still got it's, repentance is an ongoing gift from God. To recognize, like like you were saying, that you that that you have violated the love of the law and the the resurrection of God and what He wanted to give you. And thank God, He said, if we confess, He's faithful to what forgive us. He's gonna forgive you. He died to forgive you. You know. All right, go ahead. And He would answer and say to them, Pay attention. The man who has two tunics is to share with him who has none. So the first one, the man who has two coats or two tunics, first thing they need to do in this dispensation, they need to learn how to what? Share. They need to learn how to share. Now, that wasn't written to us, but isn't that good for us? As Gentile Christians? Yeah. yeah. The Bible clearly tells us God loves a what kind of giver? Cheerful. A cheerful giver. So we see that when we look at it through Paul's eyes and, and, and we look at it, we say, oh, okay, sharing has always been a part of God's economy. Stinginess has never been part of God's economy. We always talk about the open hand and the closed hand. The closed hand can't receive anything. So John the Baptist is telling these Jews that they'll walk 27 miles. And when they question his answer was, if you got two pieces of clothing, share it with the next person who don't have it. Okay, go ahead. What's the next one? And he who has food is to do likewise. So if you got extra food, do likewise. Go ahead. And some tax collectors also came to be baptized. So we got sinners by the Jewish nation called tax collectors. They coming to be baptized. They coming to repent. And even these sinners that are hated by the Jews. The tax collector was a hated person because he worked for the Romans. And then he stole stuff from himself. As we're going to see, Zacchaeus is going to tell about how he used to, you know, the tax would be one and he'd take four and keep three for himself. You know, they're still doing that. Amen. Some of our government officials are still doing that. It's just so sophisticated, we can't figure it out, but it's getting done. You know. Go ahead. And they said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? Rabbi, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than what you have been ordered to. Collect no more than what the Roman government has told you to. Okay? Quit stealing. And think about this. You're stealing from your own people. Because he was not collecting taxes from Roman citizens, per se. He was collecting taxes from everybody else in the nation. So if a centurion came along, he would collect. He, he, you know, he shut up. Like, okay, go ahead on. 
but me and you come along, you be like, come here, come here, come here, come here. You can't go no further. Come here, come here. The tax is a dollar, uh, but you don't know what the tax is. They say, give me $4. Mm -hmm. You know, somebody say, I got four. He be like, Mr. Haney, give me two <laughs> on Green Acres. Uh -huh. You know, what What can you give me? Yeah. You know, you know, what can you give me? All right, go ahead. <clears throat> Some soldiers were questioning him, saying, and what about us? What mm. shall we do? All right, now we got the soldiers questioning, okay? Now, I don't know if they were the they were Roman soldiers. And since it, all the, the Jews came out from Jerusalem, I'm thinking they were guards in the temple, the temple guard, okay? So the soldiers came out and said, it said, what shall we do? All right, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. It says soldiers. It says these were most likely members of the forces of Herod Antipas stationed at Bria. Okay. Perhaps along with Judea police. See, so they were they were Jews. So they weren't like Roman soldiers. They were temple soldiers, soldiers, policemen with inside the nation of Israel. Because you know the the the, the, the relation with the Romans was as long as y'all pay me taxes and call Caesar God, we let you do what you do. And see, Caiaphas' name came up then. It let you know he was a sympathizer. And remember last time I told you, Herod was not a Jew. Herod was not a Jew, okay? So he was. they were part of that game, but they need to go see again. Herod, not being a Jew, was always concerned about being overthrown too. But since he was backed by the Romans, he, he kind of was safe. But, you know, during that time, there was a lot of insurrections. And it was an insurrection by the people called the Zealots. Okay, the zealots. The zealots didn't care. Didn't like Rome. Didn't like the Pharisees. All they want to do was kill everybody. That they, they deemed it wasn't right. And they were the ones that were doing like assassinations. They were the ones uh, 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 with bomb or firebomb garrisons. They just believed that they were chosen so they can do that. You remember, uh, he let they let go of zealot. When Jesus was on trial, someone that they knew that was a criminal to the state. Okay? So a zealot is someone that is normally labeled as a criminal to the state and therefore also a criminal to Israel. Okay? So go ahead. And even got to remember, one, one of the zealots was, was Simon the Zealot that was an apostle. Alright? So because he picked from he picked from every little seemed like he picked from every part of the nation of Israel to make a, an apostle. Go ahead. And he said to them. Do not take money from anyone by force or accuse anyone falsely and be content with your wages. So that's a confidence game. Racketeering. Mafia. You know, you want us to protect your shop? Give us a little bit more money. We have the authority and we can let it burn down if somebody wants. We, you know, we can stop people coming stealing from you if you pay us. That's the, you know, it's kind of funny. That was happening way back then and it's still happening now. Still happening now. The protection racket. All right, go ahead. Now, while the people were in a state of expectation and were all wondering in their hearts about John as to whether he was the Christ, John answered and said to them all, As for me, I baptize you with water, but one is coming who is mightier than I, and I am not fit to untie the thong of his sandals. So we got a situation where John is actually finishing up heralding in, in the ministry and he's describing to the people even though the people may be looking at him through lack of knowledge as he was the Christ he uh, distinctly admits I am not the Christ 
but there is going to come one who's mightier than me, whose shoes I'm not worthy to tie. But he's going to baptize you, not with just water, but also baptize you with what? The Holy Spirit and fire. The Holy Spirit and the cleansing fire. Now, fire normally when it's mentioned in the Bible is dealing with the cleansing of sin. Okay. So when you're baptized by the fire, what you're saying is the cleansing fire of God has revealed your sin to you. The cleansing fire of God has revealed your sin to you. Now, I know people say it colloquially just about anything, you know, fire baptized. Okay, okay, I get that. But think about this. If, 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 if you saved, you already been baptized by the fire. Your sins have been forgiven. God has put the Holy Spirit in you. He said he's going to baptize you with fire and the Holy Spirit. The first thing has to be done is you have to be, your sins have to be baptized. Where is it baptized? It by fire in what Christ did for us. Then the Holy Spirit comes in and dwells within you. You know, it lives within you. You got the Holy Spirit that comes upon you in this Old Testament. You got the Holy Spirit who's with you, you know, and you have the Holy Spirit that indwells in you. And each function is kind of different, same Holy Spirit, but each function, because the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit that lives with us is going to lead us into all truth. And the Holy Spirit that's with us it's going to convict us of sin. And then the Holy Spirit that comes upon us helps us do the, the great work of, the, of Christ. Okay? Same Holy Spirit. I'm just, just letting you know this. It's upon, with, and in. All right? Okay, read. His winnowing fork is in his hand to thoroughly clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. Mm -hmm. But he will burn up the shaft. See, that fire. He will burn up the shaft. Go ahead. With unquenchable fire. See? So you claim you fire baptized. That you claim that you need to be burnt up and discarded. All right? Again, we say a lot of stuff in church, but we always take stuff out of context because it sounds good. Yeah, yeah. But he just said... Those who gonna though he's gonna bring the wheat, the good, the good to him. He's gonna do now. Think about what he said. Not you. He's gonna bring the wheat to him, and then everything that's not of him, he's gonna burn up. Every person that's not of him, he's gonna burn up. Okay, with that, with that super fire. Okay, he's gonna burn them up. So that's what the unquenchable fire means. Yeah, it can't be put out. So it's not a thing of of rallying cry. It's more of a judgment. And they've used it as a rallying cry. And it's not, again, look, you like it, I love it, but it's not in context. You know, I, I'm getting, uh, uh, as, as y'all may notice, I'm getting more mellow when it comes to certain things. Because, you know, no matter if I point it out to you until the Holy Spirit open it up to you, even though I point it out to you in context, which context, context, context is important. And if you really want to learn this word of God, you need to learn it in context and not in catchphrases. You'll become a more powerful person of God. And those who will understand the context are the weak that are set aside and let the others do what they do. It ain't that they're not saved. They're just, they haven't learned. They have a zeal, but it's not according to what? Knowledge. That's all. And with the Bible telling me that, I can relax and not even be upset about it. You know, let them say it, but you guys know better. And that's the key. Whoever's listening to me, now you know better. It's not a rallying cry, it's a judgment. For those who don't believe, okay? Those who are condemned already are part of that. In John, in chapter, in John those who don't believe are condemned already. 
They're going to receive this, this unquenchable fire. Those who don't believe and judgment day come, they're going to receive this unquenchable fire. Okay? So our goal is to help a person not receive that. Amen. Through the power of the gospel. So they can be set aside like the wheat and be used by God. Go ahead. So with many exhortations, he preached the gospel to the people. So his good news was repent and be saved. His good news was share and show that you're saved. Okay? Repent to be saved and share the fruit of repentance is all that sharing. It's very simple. Wasn't that a simple thing? Yeah. Repent, turn, and then if you got extra, share it. He didn't say share your last, did he? No. He didn't say share your last, did he? He said if you got two, he give one away. One. Yeah. If you got more food, give it away. He told the, the, the professional gangsters, quit doing that, robbing the people. Very easy. But it can only be done by change heart. All right. And the, and the Pharisees, the Herodians, and the Sadducees wasn't having none of that. Because it was all about them. The Bible even says that they love to see, sit in the chief seats and get fed first. And people look up at them and walk in with their entourage. Okay. No servanthood, just, just uh, I'm the king. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the one, you know, all the dressing and the regalia and the crosses and the red and the blue and the purple, all that can't cover a dark heart. I don't care how much religious garb you put on. It's, it's all made by man's hands. And we know things that's made by man's hands is considered an idol, right? If I can't preach unless I got to put on my preacher suit, then, I, then I, I, what I've done is made my preacher suit to God. Some that moth and moths can eat. Okay? If I can't preach unless I got a, an overlaid gold chain around my neck with a cross, that's made by hand. That's why he's saying he stood about nine kind of symbols of things. Yeah, nothing that's in his image. Yeah, that you worship. Because <clears throat> if you figure you have to have that versus the God, the undisclosed, describable God, other than his attributes, then you are idolater. Anything before God, you become an idolater. Your job, your kids, your husband, anything. You, you, because even he said you might have to, you might have to leave mother and father, mm. and to follow me. You know, and I know what. And then what he's trying to point out is, if there's anything that prevents you from coming down the straight path Jesus has provided for you, mm -hmm. then you are idolizing that thing, and you're not fit for the kingdom, as we're gonna see. You're not fit for the kingdom. You're trying to come up some other kind of way. And the Bible says you come up that way, you're like a thief and a robber, right? Mm -hmm. All right, go ahead. But when Herod the Tetrarch was reprimanded by him because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and because of all the wicked things which Herod had done, uh -huh. Herod also added this to them all. He locked John up in prison. Okay, so... You can go back and read that at your own convenience, but uh, free to go to Matthew chapter two, verses uh, start at verse uh, sixteen. Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, so let me give you some background. Remember the the wise men came, 
And you got to remember, we've already debunked it. They didn't come with the with the shepherds, okay? This was sometime after because they visited Jesus and married him in the house. So they came from the east to the west, all right? And they searched out the sun. They stopped at Herod first. Herod said, look, when you find him, let me know. Now, was Herod trying to find him so he can so give him honor and glory? No. Herod wanted to kill them, okay? Herod wanted to kill them. So go ahead and read it. Start over again. Read that again. Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged mm -hmm. and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its vicinity from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the Magi. So in other words, what Herod did was went on a rampage. And this, this killing is actually spoken of in Psalms. Okay. Herod went on a rampage. Now think about this. So that lets you know that it had to be later that he sent him because he said not from infant up. He said what? Two years and up. So Jesus had to be at least what? Two years old. Now you read it a thousand times and never put it together. Because Herod gives you the date. Date line. The timeline. This child had to be at least two. And all the way up to maybe eight. But this is when the Holy Spirit came to Joseph and said, take your child to Egypt. Okay? Take, take, take the mom in it, take, take him to Egypt, because Herod's trying to kill him. You know? And it's kind of interesting, the relationship with the Israelites and Egypt, where it was the place of their captivity, but then it became a sanctuary for the Lord. Because out of Egypt... My son is called the Zion. Out of Egypt, the son of Zion is called. Or out of Egypt, my son is called. And and when Herod went there, and you go, you can read some more of that. When Herod went there, when uh, when he when Joseph and Mary went there, the Holy Spirit came back to to Joseph and said, "Look, the man who wanted Herod, the one who wanted to kill you, is not dead. Not going back. Okay, and I'm going back to where you came from. You know. All right, go ahead, go back to uh, uh, Luke. Start back up." Now, when all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized. And while he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. See, upon him. You hear that? The Holy Spirit descended upon him. Go ahead. And a voice came out of heaven. You are my beloved son and you I am well pleased. So in other words, up to this point, God is saying, you are my beloved son. I am well pleased. And now we're seeing the transfer of John the Baptist into Jesus' ministry. We, 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 and you have the verses where it say, I must decrease and he must increase. Okay. And John the Baptist was a superstar, but he needed to come completely off the scene. His mission was done. But even with that, again, we talked about this. Sometimes doing God's mission still puts you in the harm's way of men. Because even he said, if they did it to me, they're going to do it to you. Well, you're the forerunner that, that, that helped tell us about this, Jesus. So, again, I can understand in the natural, thinking I've done what I've called to do, what the Holy Spirit has led me to do, what the Holy Spirit has come upon me to do. But why am I sitting here in a dungeon when I was doing what was right? I was doing what was right. Go ahead. When he began his ministry, Jesus himself was about 30 years of age. So we got about 30 years of age. That could be 29 and a half. That could 
That could be 30 and a half. We just know about. Go ahead. Being as was supposed, the son of Joseph, the son of Eli. Now, now this is why I want y'all to pay attention. I'm going to see if you catch it. Go ahead. Start over. Being supposed, the son of Joseph. Go ahead. The son. Okay. <coughs> as being supposed, the son of Joseph, mm -hmm. the son of Eli, the son of Mathat, Mm -hmm. The son of Levi, mm -hmm. the son of Melchi, mm -hmm. the son of Janai, mm -hmm. the son of Joseph, mm -hmm. the son of Matthi Matthias, mm -hmm. the son of Amos, mm -hmm. the son of Nahum, mm -hmm. the son of Helsi, mm -hmm. the son of Nagai, mm -hmm. the son of Math. Mm -hmm. The son of Matthias, mm -hmm. the son of Simeon, mm -hmm. the son of Joshek, mm -hmm. the son of Joda, mm -hmm. the son of Joannan, the son of Resha, mm -hmm. the son of Zerubbabel, mm -hmm. the son of Shiltiel, the son of Neri, the son of Melchi, the son of Adai, the son of Kosum, the son of Elmadam, the son of Ur, the son of Joshua, the son of Eleazar, the son of Jorim, the son of Mathat, the son of Levi, the son of Simeon, the son of Judah, the son of Joseph, the son of Jonam, the son of Eliakim, the son of Melia, the son of Mena, the son of Mathat. Thiatha, mm -hmm. the son of Nathan, the son of David, the son of Jesse, the son of Obed, the son of Boaz, the son of Salmon, the son of Nashon, the son of Amminadab, the son of Admin, the son of Ram, the son of Hezron, the son of Perez, the son of Judah, the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, the son of Terah, the son of Nahor, the son of Serug, the son of Ru, the son of Peleg, the son of Heber, the son of Shelah, the son of Canaan, the son of Arphaxad, Arphaxad mm -hmm. the son of Shem, the son of Noah, the son of Lamech, the son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, the son of Jared, the son of Mahalalil, mm -hmm. the son of Canaan, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. Amen. Okay. I'm not going to have you go back and count count how many generations that was, but where do you think the, the twist is that's different than probably the lineage of Mary, who has the same lineage to, to David, but there was a twist that, that, that one name wasn't mentioned that should have been mentioned. That's so we thought. But he came through David through another son. And what's that son? What son do we, are we studying now? Solomon. Did you hear Solomon's name? No. So you need to go back and look at who is the one that was the son of David that he's related to. Nathan. Nathan. <coughs> now, my question is, who's Nathan? And that's your homework. Who's Nathan? Who's Nathan? He's not Solomon. Now Mary's gonna come through Solomon. That's what you're gonna have. Everything's gonna be the same, and then it's gonna get the it's gonna be the, uh uh Solomon and David. Okay, then it goes and picks back up. But at Nathan, we have 
the Messiah coming through on the father's side and through Solomon on the mother's side. But a lot of people don't catch that. On the mother's side, we got through Solomon. On the father's side, through Nathan. Okay, but we need to know who Nathan is. So that's your homework. Research who Nathan is. We've read about him, <coughs> but we didn't. Get, we don't give him the same uh, attention that we give Solomon. But God gave him some attention because that's the lineage to which uh, Jesus came from. Okay, all right. That's in that chapter, right? Yes. All right. So we're gonna stop right there. I told you we'll get through chapter three today. Your homework is that you go back and, and if, you, if you're listening online, please uh, uh, contact me through email or text. Look in the description box and, and let me know. You can uh, text me on WhatsApp at 314-629-0024 or through email. And then you tell me how much you find out about David's son, Nathan. All right? All right. Let's pray. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the people who come today to study your word. Thank you for those who are listening around the world. We always want you to be encouraged, blessed, and at peace. And always what? Walk in truth. Thank you for tuning in to the Walk in Truth Christian Fellowship Church broadcast on the WITRN Network. Come join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time for Sunday worship. Bible study is held on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. We are located at 3006 North Lindbergh Boulevard Suite 711, St. Louis, Missouri, 63074. All are welcome and we look forward to seeing you soon.